Hello and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Tom Robeck and I'm here with Michelle McKenzie. So today we're going to talk about AWS's new 5G private networks offering that was announced at reInvent um, and AWS's annual conference. So we've just published an article on this. We'll put that in the notes. Um, but in the podcast today, we're just going to discuss um, this this announcement and some of the implications. So, Michelle, let's just start off by talking about what the service is and, and what it includes. AWS announced um, its private 5G service just, just a few days ago at its uh, annual conference. And the launch hasn't really come as a surprise because the company has already been involved in a number of um, private LTE and 5G projects with partners. Um at the moment, there is an, an, an awful lot of detail available um, about the service. But what we do know is that um, it, it's very much being positioned as um, as a very sort of simple um, package service for private 5G. So it's supposed to be as simple as Wi-Fi, for example. Um, the solution includes everything that an enterprise customer would need to build and operate a private network. So it will include uh, the radios, the network hardware, pre-installed software, the SIMs and so on. Uh, and all the customer has to do is provide um, you know, the size and, and of the location, the site that, that they want to cover and the number of devices. And the service also includes spectrum. So at this point, that will be CBRS spectrum. Uh, the pricing model is simple. A customer pays a, a monthly fee, which is based on network capacity and throughput. So there are no upfront fees. Um, you know, other services typically have a capex and opex element. This one doesn't. It's all covered in the monthly fee. And we know at the moment that, that initially the service will be available in the US market based on CBRS spectrum. Mm. So it does seem like as you said, it's not a huge surprise. I think people watching this sector knew that AWS was going to do something. Um, it does strike me it's a very complete offer, probably more complete than I was expecting. It, I mean, it sort of sounds like you go to the website, you you say what you want, they'll send it to you, you plug it all in and it should just work, like you say, just just like Wi-Fi. That's right. It's all pre-configured, um, et cetera. So, so it should be very simple to use and it's a managed service. So I guess the the market is targeting it should be pushing down to sort of mid-sized companies smaller companies who maybe are interested in 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 5g but couldn't afford or just just thought the whole concept of private 5g was too complex this should appeal to them yeah i think that's right and uh in the sort of initial announcement uh they they sort of named some sort of enterprise sites that they, they named uh retail warehousing um factory floors um, and so on offices as well that um, could could you know potentially benefit um, from this type of prepackaged solution yeah i mean as you said there's still quite a lot we don't know about the offering i guess the key thing we don't know yet is is pricing um, and obviously a lot on the of the demand and the success will depend on the, on the pricing the pricing model like you say it seems quite attractive um, i think interesting that there are no fees whatsoever so even the hardware even the radios that you'll get um, it sounds like from the announcement, there's no you don't actually pay for them up front. You just pay for them as part of the monthly fee, right? Um, but of course, we don't know the pricing yet, so it slightly depends on what the actual pricing is. Um, there are a few other things we don't know. Um, so technology partners, um, you mentioned in the article some of the technology partners that they've worked with in the past, but they didn't make any announcements. I guess we'll hear in the next few months exactly who they're working with. Um, the other thing around target cu- countries, so it's starting in, in the US um, where CBRS Spectrum makes it 
relatively easy to get hold of the, the right sort of spectrum for this sort of offering. So uh, start, starting there, um, and I, th- I think you, you, you're expecting them to go to other, if they do, or if and when they expand this to other countries, they'll probably go to to other countries with similarly favourable spectrum regimes. Um, so you mentioned Germany. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in terms of where industrial spectrum has been made available um, by by a regulator or, or indeed shared spectrum, as is the case in the US market. Um, so that obviously uh, lowers the barriers in some respects um, to, to deploying one of these solutions if you're an enterprise. The other thing that I haven't seen them talk uh, much about is it just in terms of the ecosystems. So obviously, in, in fitting with this sort of simple to use, simple to install type network, they'll also need devices um, and often the hardware could be problems with or could be difficult for, for IoT networks. So they'll need devices that, that just kind of work straight out of the box without any extra configuration. Um, they, I don't think they've said much about those those devices, but you could imagine AWS, well, they're, they're quite good position to, to, to start building up an ecosystem of devices, device vendors, hardware, and so on. Um, this is already happening, I think, with uh, the CBR, CBRS ready devices. That that's kind of ecosystem of devices is growing, and yeah, and um, AWS is no no stranger to building up a marketplace. So I, I guess we'll see that um, happen reasonably quickly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, one of the other things they haven't really talked about is, you know, um, um, level of sort of radio planning and and design. I mean, you know, we know from our conversations with with enterprises um, and at both demand side and on conversations with the supply side in this that uh, the radio planning often needs to be quite sophisticated depending on the sort of radio environment that you're dealing with. Yeah. And some of the things, I think in the press release, it talks about warehouses and some of the other examples that they give. You could imagine they could be quite, particularly in things like manufacturing, it could be quite complex environments and it may not be quite as simple as AWS is suggesting. And there may be a greater role for people like systems integrators. That's right. Yeah. And speaking of systems integrators, I mean, they haven't said much about uh, channel strategy and how they're going to take this to market. Um, but it's, you know, we imagine they'll be selling direct to enterprise, uh, but also through their channel partners. And they they did mention a couple of partners in their initial press release. Um, Dish Networks was one of them. Yeah, so I thought the the, the announced the, the partners that they do name um, only two, but still quite interesting ones. Dish, it's obviously the new mobile network in the US, and also Coke Business Solutions. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what Coke Business Solutions is. It seems to be like a, some sort of systems integrator for the Coke Group. So clearly a, a massive industrial company, lots of different diverse interests. Um, so uh, not exactly a, a standard kind of channel partner, but but in a sense, it's going to act as, I think, as a sort of systems integrator for, for other bits of, of the Coke uh, industries. Um, I guess the other question is, is just generally around demand um, and which sectors this will appeal to. So as we said, it should appeal to like smaller, medium-sized uh, companies. Um, but I think you made the point about mission-critical applications. Would they be willing to use AWS's solution and, and internally manage it, or would they be looking for, for uh, other other partners? Um, and I've also seen, so there's a company called Trigo that does the um, checkout free stores uh, for, I think, for Tesco and amongst others. And, and when they announced their client partner, they said they're working with Google. And one of the reasons they gave is that they said their retail customers don't want to work with Amazon because they say as a competitor. Now, that may be, a spe- I mean, that's 
probably true for other retailers and it may be true in other sectors where they also other areas where Amazon competes they may also not want to to use an AWS solution um, I, I guess the, the final thing um, just just on this kind of things that we don't know yet about it is around roaming so it seems well it doesn't there's, no, there's been no mention of how or if this solution could roam onto the public network now I suspect that won't matter too much initially um, but in the future I think that could become uh, more important and it'll be interesting to see if they do announce uh, some way of, of roaming between their private network and public networks yeah yeah uh, as you say probably not quite so important at present but later on could become more important Hmm. Okay, should we go to talk about what this means for other other vendors? Because I think probably the, the implications of this, there may be some implications for operators, and we'll get onto those in a second. But probably the bigger implications are for the for the other vendors. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in terms, um, you know, most vendors aren't going to be in a position to to replicate uh, this sort of package service very quickly. Um, many won't have the sort of edge computing and platform capabilities that AWS can bring. Um, but then again, you know, the AWS announcement, it could spur some vendors to accelerate their plans for um, package simpler solutions. And we've certainly been hearing this a lot in the course of our research, that there, there is a real need if this is going to scale. Um, it, it definitely needs to be a, a lot simpler and sort of more packaged for, for enterprises to be able to adopt this. Yeah, it, it feels like this has been the sort of solution we've been talking about for a while. We haven't seen it come yet. Um, so maybe a surprise a little bit that AWS is first there, but I'm sure other vendors who are in this space have been looking at doing something similar. And as you say, maybe that this will push them to get the resources they need to move that, uh, that little bit quicker. Um, let's talk about, about operators then, finally. Um, there's certainly been some sort of speculation or some talk about how this could threaten operators. Um, and you could see why operators might feel threatened by this announcement, because obviously if, if enterprises can bypass them. Um, for private networks solutions. And it was interesting, I saw yesterday AT&T were pushing on social media the announcement that they first released in October, where they're doing a private 5G network for Ford, for one of its factories. It's kind of interesting timing that they're pushing that again. Um, but I mean, that, that said, I'm not sure, uh, I guess there are two points around how big is this market already for, for the operators? Um, when you look at the, so we have our, our, our tracker of the different announcements and the operators around the world, they're only the lead contractor in about a third of those and even less in the US. It's, I think probably to do with the CBRS spectrum makes it very easy for other companies to build private networks and operators are only prime contractors um, in about, I think it's less than 10% of, of, uh, of those private networks. So it, yeah, arguably this, this announcement will affect future revenues for, for operators but it doesn't exist. It's not like they have an existing position that's being threatened by this. No, not at all. I mean, as you as you say, I mean, their share has grown over the last year since we've been tracking this market. Um, but, you know, they, they were initially quite slow um, to bring solutions to market anyway. Uh, so, so, yes, they don't they don't have a, a sort of large market share to, to defend at the moment yeah. as such. Um, and I think there are some there are some positives. So, so, so maybe Michelle, you can go through some of the positives of this announcement. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Again, one of the one of their first uh, announced customers for this or partners for this is Dish, who is obviously or will be a, a mobile operator in the US. But maybe you could go through some of the other other benefits from this for for, for operators. 
Yeah, I mean, of course, as we said earlier, you know, AWS is going to need channels to market and operators are well placed to, to help here. Um, in some markets, perhaps where Spectrum is controlled by operators and licensed Spectrum, you know, will be a requirement for some customers, then AWS will, will most likely have to work through the operators. Mm. Um, and of course, this will give um, operators a, another pre-packaged solution um, and allow them to address a, a wider audience of small and medium-sized businesses. Um, you know, many operators are better placed to sell some of those predefined solutions. Um, and and they're not really typically set up operators to, to offer bespoke solutions anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, again, to think which operators could this appeal to and... Um, maybe not the bigger ones like the AT&Ts or the Verizons or, or, or the BTs, Deutsche Telekoms, they've got their own systems integration divisions. They can do a lot of that them, themselves. They've got a lot of the, the kind of radio planning expertise to, to maybe not need this kind of prepackaged solution. Uh, but I mean, arguably, even for them going down to the, the smaller end of the market, this sort of solution would help. But certainly the, the, the second or third operators in a market or even fourth in the case of in the case of Dish, this gives them everything they need to launch a solution, and particularly in the countries where they've got some control over the spectrum. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think yeah, the other point on this is is around fixed operators, because so we know from various conversations that we've had with fixed operators, they've been interested in adding private networks. So I'm, I'm thinking really of fixed operators that have big business divisions, they have lots of big business customers, they've been interested in private networks, they probably don't have spectrum or almost all of them don't, won't have spectrum. Uh, and again, they may not have the, the kind of expertise to to put together this kind, kind of solution themselves or it's kind of tricky for them to do so. So working with AWS could be quite a neat way of, of adding uh, private networks to their portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just just kind of a last point. I think is just around differentiators, uh, and it's always been true for for private networks. Operators have always been reliant on technology from third parties, whether it's from Huawei or Nokia or Ericsson or some of the smaller vendors. Um, they've always been reliant on them for the network technology. The differentiator from them for the, for the operators has never really been about that technology. It's about how they put it together, the other services they can they can offer. Obviously, connectivity, but other things like security and broader cloud services. SD WAN and so on. Um, so, so maybe um, AWS will push them again to, to to think about their offers, maybe sharpen them up a little bit, um, particularly around packaging things together, whether they work the way that AWS AWS or not. Okay, um, thanks, Michelle. Um, unless there's anything to add, we'll we'll close it there. Um, thank you very much for for, for listening. Um, there's plenty more content on private networks on the Analysis Mason website. Um, we'll add links to some of that content um, in, the, in the show notes. And to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.